Hello, hello. Welcome back to Post Poet Pop. This is episode 23. To round out the, our first year of programming in the year 2023, happy birthday, little Post Poet Pop baby. You are one. I'm just going to take a moment to connect with my immense gratitude that I probably haven't even fully processed. And so on this one year anniversary, this one year birthday of Post Poet Pop, Thank you to everybody who's listened. Thank you to everyone who has paid attention. And thank you to everyone who has participated and allowed me to feature and honor their work. Today, I will be honoring the work of my friend, neighbor, writing group colleague, esteemed scholar, world traveler, Christy Maxwell. When I was living in New York City and I knew that I was going to move home to Louisville, Kentucky, I knew also that I would need to probably join a writing group, that I would need to be around poets and in community populated by poets as I was in New York, and I was invited to a writing group here called Sublimity City, and it has been one of those groups that helps nourish my life in Louisville and helps me flourish, and I'm very grateful to the group, and Christy Maxwell is one of the main members of that group, so I am excited to honor her work today. She has written eight books, and her latest book is just out. It is the winner of the 2023 Wishing Jewel Prize from Green Linden Press, and that book is called Goners. The title itself makes me think about the meaningful distance between a term like gone and a term like disappear. If something is gone, it has a remnant, it leaves a trace. Christy writes an essay at the beginning of the book to anchor any readership for goners because it is conceptually complex. But don't get it twisted, it's also very playful, which I find an incredible challenge for any writer to do. So in her own words, Christy writes, In the new poetics of climate change, Matthew Griffiths asks, Must poetry of climate change belong in the tradition of the pastoral or the elegy? What alternative models or approaches might there be? Well, Christy has one for us, that's for sure. The poems here are set in the form of the lipogram, which is a form of writing that excludes one or more letters. For example, she will read koala on today's episode. That's K-O-A-L-A. -A. That's a total of four distinct letters, so that then the poem itself, following the title koala, will only make use of 22 of the 26 letters available in the English alphabet. Christie also writes in this essay that what she is stressing now is not that she is writing about endangered species. I'm writing without them. Attempting to imagine in a linguistic landscape the ways that loss would be registered and felt or fail to be. I don't want listeners to today's episode to get the wrong idea that Christie is mainly writing a compendium of sorts regarding endangered animals or extinction of wildlife species. There's building off of the idea of possibility after capitalist ruins, of possibility in Anthropocene, of possibility when imperialism is everywhere. So I am super, super honored to present this work. If you are in the Louisville area, this upcoming Tuesday, December 5th, at the Camp Social Club, Christy will also be doing a launch party, and she's asking folks to show up and bring an object from your life that's on its last legs and tell a story about it. Sort of a non-traditional book launch, if you will. If you can make it, the book launch party here in Louisville will be at the Camp Social Club this Tuesday, 6 p.m. and onward. And we will take this show onward and get it going. Grateful to you all for listening. One year post-poet pop. 2024 is already getting packed. So stay tuned, and here's Christy Maxwell. Thank you.
Now it's time for our wrap-up. Let's give it everything we've got. Ready? Begin. Artificial amateurs aren't it all amazing. Analytically, I assault animate things. Broken barriers bounded by the bomb beat. Buildings are broken, basically I'm bombarding. Casually create catastrophes, casualties, canceling cats, got the canopies collapsing. Detonate a diamond tank, daily doing dope. Demonstrations, Don Dada on the down low. Eating other editors with each and every energetic, epileptic episode, elevated etiquette. Furious, fat, fabulous, fantastic. Flurries of funk, felt feeding the the fanatics, gift got great, global goods gone glorious, getting godly in this game with the glorious, hit them high, hella hype, historical, hey, holocaust hymns, hear them holler at your homeboy, imitators idolize, I intimidate, in an instant, I'll rise in an irate state, juiced on my jams like Jerry Curls, jocking joints, justly, it's just me, writing my journals, kindly, I'm kindling all kinds of King Kong, karate kick type writs in my kingdom, let me live a long life, lyrically, lessons is learned, lame louses, just lose to my leverage, my mind makes marvelous moves, masses, Marvel and move, many mock what I've mastered. Niggas nap knowing I'm nice, naturally. Nap never lack, make noise nationally. Operation opposition off, not optional. Out of sight, out of mind, widening opticals, perfected poems. Powerful punchlines, pummeling, petty powder puffs in my primes. White quaint posts, keep quiet as quantum. Quarrelers ain't got a quarter of a we gotta. Really raw raps, rising up rapidly, riding the rushing radio activity. Super scientific, old sound search sought. Silencing, stupefied saps that are soft. Tells ten times talented, too tough. Take that, challengers, get a tune up. Universe. Unique, untouched, unadulterated, the raw, uncut, verb by smart, victorious, valid, violate vibes that are vain, make them vanish, while I'm all well, what a wise wordsmith, just weaving up words, weed it up, on my work shift, Xerox, my x-rayation rolls, extra large, x-height letters, and xylophone tones, yellow back, jack mouth, young ones, yawn, yesterday's lawn yard, sell I yawn, zigzag zombie, zoom into the zenith, zero wins and thoughts, over solid rhyme, Z-Lot. <laughs> Good. Can you say it faster? It was just a really, it was an interesting process because I think anytime you're working with a lipogram, you're, you're, you don't have access to the vocabulary you might typically have access to or rely upon or yeah. gravitate toward, which is one of the wonderful things about a lipogram. It disrupts your kind of normal habits of composition, right? So it's kind yeah. of a really, um, in that sense, it's kind of really challenges kind of, um, the ideas we often have around mastery in terms of writing and craft, it's kind of a challenge to those things because it doesn't let you rely a lot of times on the things you've learned how to do or the things that you might um, tend to do in your in your writing habits. But um, habits, you know, often need to be challenged. So it's a great yeah. way to do that. You know, was it a poem a day kind of thing? I think when I was kind of at the height of writing it, I was kind of trying to get a full draft done a day, but not actively revising until the very end, until I felt like I was a, at a stopping point of generating poems. So the very first poem I ever attempted was a draft of the Chichik poem oh, yeah, that yeah. I, um, that you have. And it was also the very last poem that was finished. It was the last one oh. that I revised. So it was kind of a nice frame to the process because I knew there was something that I had figured out in writing it, but it was, I hadn't learned yet yeah. <laughs> enough about how to write them when I tried that one. So it required kind of the, the most time away from it and the, the kind of, um, deepest revision. Um, but I would try to start out 
I would put all the letters um, in the endangered animal's name in capital letters at the top of the page, and then underneath it, all the letters that were then available to use that weren't in the, the title. And that way I could generate a list, just a preliminary list of possibilities, possible words. Yeah. So it didn't feel so much like um, so overwhelming about what I couldn't do. Right. Right. <laughs> more kind of, um, a sense of these strange kinds of, um, and I often think in constellations too. So it's interesting you use that term, but these like strange little kind of constellations of, of, um, of, of things would kind of arise in that list making. I would kind of go alphabetically and of course come back and forth as needed as a new word kind of you land on. I was reading, Kathy Park Hong, Christian yeah. Bach, um, yeah. Perec, of course. Mm -hmm. And then I, I came across this like 16th century Spanish dramatist, um, guy who, who wrote like entire sections of plays, um, just in one word or then in three words. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It was, it was really interesting. Like Kathy Park Hong's, um, in ballad in A. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but I'm more curious about like where you chose that form and why and did it kind of happen by was it like epiphanic or did you were you planning you knew you wanted to always write like i had been thinking a lot about um lipograms all the all the writers you'd mentioned um i mean christian books unoya was a really kind of pivotal text for me in my um when i was in arizona so 20 20 years ago at this point yeah. right um and then the kathy park hong i've always loved her approach to that. And uh, there's another really great um, lipogram kind of in that vein, um, Chen Chen's Chen, no middle name Chen. The, it's in a great anthology that Sundress Publications did, but I had been teaching these poems quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and mostly mostly to challenge my students and their compositional practices, right? Uh. Um, but then I was kind of thinking about kind of the proliferation yeah, of erasures yeah. that we've been seeing mm -hmm. in books and in um, journals and things like that. And thinking about the ones that I was gravitating most to as yeah. a reader are the ones that seem to have um, a conceptual grounding to them. Like there was a reason to erase. There was some right. kind of commentary on erasure happening. Um in that kind of work. So I was kind of thinking about in the Chin, um, no middle name Chin poem is, is so great in that too. Um, how he's approaching the lipogram in terms of the, the various kinds of limitations projected onto him moving into the English language, et cetera. So it's been, it was, it's, I love when a form has a conceptual grounding. Yeah. Where, where does that come from? Like conceptual, you always wanting a conceptual grounding, just, that's what you gravitate to? That's what you like? Or? Mm, I, I think it's because I, I believe that form is a part of content, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I feel like part of kind of the joy of writing is kind of landing on the form through which to do that writing, even if it happens as a kind of secondary to the writing and then the shaping. But um, I, I just think that inner relationship is just so has been just so important to me as a reader. So it's also important to me as a writer. For me, poetry is a critical mode. Yes. <laughs> so I right, gravitate right. toward work. Yeah. Um, that's thinking about poetry, 
that type of poetry that's not necessarily centering the emotive capacities, but also centering kind of the uh, poetry as a mode of critical thinking. With that critical framework, it just gives some kind of context for what kinds of problems or um, thinking or uh, might be this form might be useful for thinking. So I've like used this form in class and extinction in class um, just to help people kind of process like something that um, they feel they're kind of vulnerable about losing, um, hmm. something they're kind of working through having lost as just kind of a poetic negotiation of those really kind of hard things to process, you know, right. uh, and the work of repression that is so central to poetry anyway. And poetry, I think, um, perhaps more than other genres, really kind of celebrates disrupting the action of repression because it's like, oh, all of these things can kind of exist simultaneously.
Akakei, an extinction. Thought sumptuous, this skin thought hungry gown, mouthing off to its own dough. This youthful body, silo still, in pounding storms, scrubbing stupidity off this truly bright moon. Bluntly put, this body is Q-tip's trough. Dip in. Critics flinch, but food isn't just for mouths. Light is photo's grub, innocuous potion. Slough off this triumph notion. Wood should not rot, but it rots. Sorry to limbs, sorry to gibbons. Sorry to hobos bound not to find north or south, old stops, thorough or not. The jinx is rough. Flimsy quiz, how to undo it. If now word upon word is wordsmith's tumor, if now blight is ousting frost, how to proctor unbirth. How to win this lost bowl with history's surplus of wind-tristing birds, blinding us from punting through the posts. Greenish-yellow Hawaiian honey creeper. And I didn't know this. They have a mask, so they kind of like have this raccoon thing going on, right? And um, I read that they live in the, in the tops of dense forests, uh, they were prevalent until the 90s. A lot of these animals like seem to get endangered in the 90s, which is just fascinating. Um, but what I found more like, whatever, positively poetic, um, since it's uh, also known as a honey creeper, yeah. is that its call is like so sweet, like when it sings. <laughs> it's just, just amazing. Were you listening to that recording? I listened yeah, to it yeah. and I was like, uh -huh. oh, what? That's so cool. Um, but I want to focus on the this line, wood, wood should not rot, but it rots the sonic distance between R-O-T and W-R-O-U-G-H-T, you know, one being like decay and decomposition and the other being the past participle of work. Um, that itself, just, I, I enjoyed that. I mean, I think any of those kinds of things that emerge in your reading are a permissible and exciting. I think yeah. like the, the, the fun thing about writing poems and reading poems is the, or is, the way the uncanny operate, that something that might have been a, consciously a decision, um, oftentimes the unconscious aspects are the more interesting components, right. you know? Like the, all the stuff going on, but, you know, behind all the psychic curtains. And, yeah. Yeah. My book that I did for my dissertation, that book was uh, thinking a lot about puns and right. homophones and things like that. And thinking about how they kind of disrupt um, roots of meaning, right? Thinking about mm. the figure of the pirate and, and the pun as a disruptor of kind of roots of meaning. So it's not, it's, it makes sense to me that that's been retained in some way, even if unconsciously, right. in, yeah. in what I continue to do now. So sound has just always been a profoundly important part of my war. I remember like when I went to a speech therapist when I was a very young child, um, I was just having some issues with forming kind of mouth shapes to make certain sounds. But mm -hmm. um, I would have to repeat Gerard Manley Hawkins line in a lot of ways. Some of my earliest words, those kind of dense sonic structures. So I think it's wow. just, I think it emerges in all my work, that kind of um, yeah. sound play.
Koala, an extinction. Different fires require different fixes. Wetness isn't it every time. Did Muir grieve missing species preceding densities? See their missingness, the edges' misgivings. Perceive the un, 
quinces didn't preserve. Residues extend remembering, the tide venturing in, the drying spoon its spine, the spirit vein deveined, deemed excess. We experienced judgment when wind whipped us, meted mischief by describing fruit is a tree sequence, ruined by the bite. Who isn't, though? Get even, Eve. Is this triggering? This being minted by suffering? The minute, but this isn't time. Try twice. The minute, the determining many. Teensy thing, the seeming. I learned so many things about koalas in the last couple of days. Um, one thing, in a small area of New South Wales, there was a 55% increase in chlamydia in koalas. It causes blindness. And so they couldn't see to move around the trees. Uh-huh. And so they started seeing these koalas that fell, like, wow. to the ground. Uh-huh. And then learned somehow, like, within, I'm assuming weeks maybe, but yeah. could have been days, to, like, find their spot back yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on the tree. Adaptation is bonkers, yeah. It's really, like, I was what, just like, what? Was and, the and, yeah. chlamydia affecting fertility, or was it, like, a long yeah. enough study to yeah. understand? Yeah, no, it, it's it, it's it's deeply affecting fertility. In fact, in well, that area, they're, like, in a different part of being endangered at a different stage. But with koalas, it's like drought, disease, floods, chlamydia. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> they, to me, they always look like old men. But also babies, like they have this Benjamin <laughs> Button thing going on. But then um, it's the hairy ears, the hairy ears, and the like something about the eyes where they are on the face. <laughs> and I always thought they kind of look like owls, and I never knew they they eat owls. Oh, <laughs> why? Crazy! Yeah. I have no idea how you could even. Well, you are track... what you eat. So. Yeah, you are what you eat. So, that, so anyway, but yeah, I don't know if you knew any of that. You know, I um, didn't. Um, yeah. It's I've like a the the. The book I'm working on now, I've been kind of doing a lot more um, kind of deep dives into um, researching the various kinds of things that the O poems that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've learned a lot about O things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was recently reading about the the oyster toadfish, <laughs> which is a wild little fish. It was sent to a space to... to sent to space? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why would an oyster toadfish be? Yeah. Just to see what would yeah. happen with it or like No, whatever? I can't it's I I it to study to study reproduction and some something specific dealing with a sense. But no, for this one, eventually I decided the thing that felt kind of most authentic to the poems was the fact to really kind of embrace the unease of extinction and so to not center the animal. So I tried to really limit the research I was doing on the animals so that they didn't surface Forming in the reflection, and I'm trying not to turn into a psychopath. Better 
roster Then I find it tossed out That's when I'm telling myself Wasn't I better than nothing? Making a decision about steamed or fried Wanted to be needed so I fed my cat Think I'll keep to myself for the next few days Feel a buzz that can't be bottled, smoked or canned Sabotaging life just to find something to write about Why was it always this way? Did I do it on purpose? Extinction. Here is a beastless fable, a feckless tell, a sea sick with rhythm. A troll's empire has twelve fish, excess shrimp, yesteryear's kelp palaces, plastics as empires have, at the behest, at the helm. A machete clears. Here's a fable. All the beasts keep their all. Malay sets, celestial-like, a hemisphere at a time. Time is feral, after all, yet trackable. If a library is with bestiary, as a wife is with babe, prepare a lap, alter a breast, alter it. What lives is a liver, a part, a piece, a meerkat that's a clapper that strikes the mammal bell. I, I had no idea what the dugong was. Oh, it's was. wild, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. sea cow or uh-huh, whatever. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. There was uh-huh, one that lived uh-huh. to be 86, which yeah. is also just amazing. Uh-huh. And it has that giant mouth and it's like, it's like, Basically, like some construction machine that's scooping dirt out of the, you know, bottom of the ocean. Um, but there, you have a feckless tail, a sea sick with rhythm. And I, I, I kind of read the, the dual nature of, of feckless, both as like the, you know, the irresponsibility and, and short-sightedness of, of course, of, of even what you call in the, in the essay uh, in the beginning of the book, like Western imperialism and human-driven climate change on top of like how we tend to look at animals that would never like take advantage of us in some way as like gentle creatures that can go ahead and be hit on the back with boats and like, you know, um, so like feckless was just really, really thick term there. Something else with a seasick with rhythm. Yeah. The orcas are revolting. I mean, I spent the, my mom is from near St. Augustine, Florida. So I spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time, um, especially as a child and a teenager at the St. Augustine beaches. Right. Yeah. 
And even seeing them change over the years has been a really wild thing. I remember when I was a really little girl, we came across a giant sea turtle that had died before it um, got back into the water. And I had these three little dead crabs that I had under my bed until the smell was so much my mom found them and made me get rid of them. But just seeing how like the composition of even that very particular beach has changed from being there as a little girl to going back there yeah. now, um, you can really see the impacts of, of of certain things. Like you don't see the same types of marine life. Um, you don't see the same kind of a proliferation of other types of, yeah. of marine life. I remember when I was growing up there, just all of the, um, the sand dollars just everywhere. The, the right. living ones, the um, no longer living ones, they were all over the place. Long. 
pangolin, an extinction. Three servers query my druthers, my druthers, huh? Heck, service cucumbers, Tex-Mex zest, the secret reserves. Surf my turf, butter my better stems. The system's buddies severed, the best eke by, fettered by fees. Terms restructure us. Ever the tree, the desk's cred bests the seeds. We were excesses, stuffed dressers, bereft rescues. We rested deserve, crested the berm, uttered bummer where streets were subsumed by refuse. The set where we were embedded reset. D rejected struct. Re-secured fresh members. Try here, the futures, the referee. Some of these animals mm-hmm. are actually valued, like in the capital market, the mm-hmm. human capital yeah. market, of course. Specifically, there was some market for koala tails, but the pangolin mm-hmm. didn't know what that was either. Of course, looks like a reptile. It's like a snake meets ant eater, but also kind of looks like an artichoke. Um, and when it's curled up, apparently yeah. it's uh, the scales can be pl- some can be just plucked right off of it without it like fighting back. But yeah, it, it, it highlighted the heck service cucumbers line i was actually like today cutting a cucumber and then looking at images of pangolin um again on my phone and just like kind of comparing this like scaliness of the cucumber i could see you making a a cucumber pangolin (laughs) yeah Um, yeah i mean i think i'm always thinking about the ways we use non-human animals and a lot of the ways we use non-human animals is for human eating practices, right? right? Um, And there does seem to be an imbalance in that. Um, Yeah. Not to, you know, not to... Not to get on a soapbox, but, but I definitely think about I definitely yeah. think about those things. But I think that's just kind of a, like a an aspect of my own kind of consciousness that seeps in. It's not necessarily trying to do any kind of messaging, right? Yeah, no, no soapboxes you know, in the poem. Yeah. Did, how long have you been? You're vegetarian or vegan? Or I would say I am largely plant based. That seems like the the easiest that's, answer yeah. to give okay. the and one how that long has it been? um since i was since i moved to tucson so 2000 okay. and 2003 yeah. but i did you know i spent time um uh, my i i spent time on a um on farms when i was young my dad um raised cattle on on a farm so, and I bottle fed cows. So I had oh, wow. kind of a different kind of relationship. Yeah. Already at a much younger age, I was already kind of starting to question certain kinds of things about what felt right for me as a person. Mm-hmm. If you're somewhere, if you're, you've traveled a lot, like if you're traveling mm-hmm. and someone comes mm-hmm. up to you and serves you something that mm-hmm. you've just met, or you like, oh no, I don't eat that. You know, it's strict, right? Like, you... well, no. So this is interesting. When we, uh, when, um, when we were in Denmark and Portugal um, recently for some research and some um, poetry things, I did say, you know, if, if, Certain things are particular to 
a culture and part of kind of a living industry with sustainable practices, then I will be part of where I'm at. So did, when you, when you were writing it, did you have did you have like any specific tools aside from like inspirational texts, like whatever, like dictionaries, or did you make like maps? Did, did you find workhorse words that you were like, you stay away for now. You've been used too much. Or I really um, disallowed myself from using um, the online generators for text because mm-hmm. you yeah. can kind of run you can run words through various programs and get kind certain kinds of text generated for you with those. But I resisted doing that just because I really wanted to think about um, my own kind of language limitations inside of the project, like only mm. using the things that I could somehow um, dredge from my own um, vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, but that did, I did learn a lot about this in just the writing. I feel like at first the the initial vocabularies for the poems were much narrower than by the time I got to the end of writing where I was like, oh yeah, look at this multisyllabic little beastie here, <laughs> you know? Because yeah, right. I think initially you're kind of gravitating or I was kind of gravitating toward the monosyllabic, just kind of generating a lot of words. Yeah. Um, but then I think as you kind of lean into it and again, it feels generative rather than um, a constraint. Yeah. Um, when that shift happens, then it kind of really opens up the possibilities of what 
what you might find inside of yourself. Uh, I'm thinking about like the the uh, Hugo triggering tone or something in private versus public languages. Yeah. Um, but our vocabularies um, are say something about our consciousness, and I do like the idea of a book of poems being a, a kind of marker of where the writer is when right. writing it. One thing that I kept thinking as I was reading the book this week is is that languages also disappear. And I mean, I know that's a, a little bit of an obvious layer, but then I was thinking about in terms of when I was like looking up, like when a language has disappeared and an animal has also simultaneously been put on the endangered list. There was in fact a couple of insect species that got put on an endangered and extinct list when an indigenous language like officially disappeared on this day in like 2010 or something. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I address this a little in the prologue, um, kind of the English language as a metonym for kind of Western imperialism. So mm -hmm. it's not surprising. I'm not surprised to learn what you're telling me, though I'm learning it as you're telling right. me. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. <laughs> like that, yeah. that, yeah, that in, the kind of the ramifications of imperialism affect both human animals and non-human animals right. simultaneously or in entangled ways. If they 
an extinction. Sappy TV pulls an old hurt up, vast as lust, a phantom thaws. Not as lazy as argon, that hurt lands a wallop, and a trust rusts or bursts. All trust, worry not. Past a mortuary, past a lush quad, a mortal stratum holds froth of astral labor. Valorous lantanas grow and grow. A sad frat slurs, sprays, drugs last past love. Hurry, pass hash and stash that stuff, an aura proof human hums. Astral labor sounds an alarm at that lampoon. But what human's aura proof? Numb, a past wow now won't stun. Ash as party fur, as hurry's tomb. A summons looms. Among savory growth, youth affords. A dollop of youth now to laugh at, lap up. How to unstump a stump. How to outlast a last straw. I couldn't actually find a lot about this animal. I saw one image of it. It's like a ray-finned fish. Mm -hmm. It's been compared to a minnow. Um, But ironically, it's the Turkish word for flour. Um, Like like a flour, not like cooking flour. There's a lot of longing in this poem. A lot of the, the past. I think there's I think there's longing in throughout yeah. the book because I think any time kind of I think there's both celebration for what continues to exist. Right. But also kind of a an understanding that there's there's just not the same kind of lushness available to us when we don't prioritize multi species thriving. 
that we're mm-hmm. <laughs> we're hurting ourselves as much as we're hurting the world, but that there's also, I mean, going back to a conversation um, that 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 you and Michelle and I were having before starting this, there's also just kind of like um there there is kind of a tendency to compartmentalize because that's how we negotiate the cognitive dissonance that is everyday life. So I think it's very rangy in that way, in a way that's also kind of a part of kind of my daily experience of life is it is rangy, the the kind of capacities we have for for joy and lament and longing, but then also kind of failures to act on the very things we would need to to achieve the things we desire. <laughs> cetera like yeah, uh, yeah. we're we're complicated we're complicated animals you know mm-hmm. um well you know Whitman was Whitman was right we we contain multitudes and contradict ourselves <laughs>
are you, I mean, I know kind of what you're working on now, but like what's mm. new in your writing world? Yeah, I kind of feel like um, what I'm working on now in a lot of ways is an extension um, of this project in that it's dealing with kind of those those two poles of devastation and resilience. And I'm mm. um, engaging the work of Inger Christensen, the Danish mm. poet, um, Alphabet, translated by Susanna Neid. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alphabet intersects the abecedarian with the Fibonacci sequence. So each section accumulates. Each section has more lines as determined by the Fibonacci sequence and focuses on one letter as determined by the abecedarian structure. So she ends her book on section N, and then I take up at section O, mm-hmm. which is a 987 line uh, series. I really love Alphabet. Like I, I think that might be one of the few books of poetry that I've read, you know, like whatever, more than once, or it was a bedside yeah. book at some point. Yeah. And then when I went to Copenhagen, of course I brought it with yeah. me. But for you personally, like what, where did the Inger Christensen thing start? And You know, I would think that it probably happened when I was in Arizona during my MFA, um, Yoko Tawada came through and I started thinking even like, um, my, uh, poet I worked with in undergrad, um, Richard Jackson. I went mm-hmm. to uh, Slovenia with him and got to meet Tomasz Solomon and um, just wow. so many wonderful Slovenian poets. And so kind of always knowing that I needed to be reading things by poets who were not simply living in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of having a, a commitment to that, but also then having such a um, wonderful array of reading materials at the Poetry Center in mm. Tucson, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it's a real kind of a boon for a poet because you just get access to so many materials. Um, is that place tied to the university? Is Is that like... I don't know. Is it like Poets House in New York or something like that? Or I, I haven't different? been to Poets House, so okay. I can't really compare them. But it's yeah. a giant yeah. facility full of poetry books. And that. it's yeah. amazing. I mean, it's worth taking a trip to Tucson just to go to just the to Poetry yeah. Center. It's wow. just a phenomenal thing. And I was so yeah. lucky living there getting access to all that collection. Now, when I went there, when I first started there, it was still the tiny little house, but it still had a huge collection of books. Huh. Um, and it since has become kind of the the center that it is now that most people associate with it, which is just this huge library and it's just gorgeous. But just being able to go in and pull books and read and follow your nose kind of through these things, mm-hmm. I just kind of landed on it because I was, I am and was just a reader. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm excited that you're, you're part two. <laughs> it's really, really cool of idea for a project. And yeah. How, how far along is that now for you? I'm almost done with, O, so wow. that feels awesome. really exciting. I think yeah. it's, um, you've been publishing pieces from it. So yeah. Yeah, that's good. yeah. Yeah. And O is sitting around, um, 40 pages. So I'm hoping to do O and P, um, finish mm-hmm. those. And that will kind of be, the part one, you okay. know, of this yeah. extension, because they're just too, um, they're too kind of, it would be too unwieldy. Uh, but N is such a perfect letter for her, her project to end on too, because of noun and number, mm-hmm. uh, which are also in words in, in the, the, the Danish. But also, interestingly, I don't know if you know this, I, I might have talked to you about it, but I'm not yeah. sure if you noticed, N should be longer than it is. 
but it's really? 321 lines. So it's like uh, three, two, one, a countdown. And I just find that really fascinating. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, that really adds. I don't. I didn't mm. know that. That really kind of like was it calculated, or did it become one of those things that we want it to became recalculate? Yeah, I know yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it's. The, but again, I don't. I don't care if it was intentional because the yeah, uncanny, right. like that, yeah. like those, like those kinds of things that emerge and that take on meaning, and that we're not kind of ultimately kind of as artists, kind of the saying this is. The only way something can mean, you know, yeah, right, I think right. that we're always collaborators yeah. with language so that poems are going to be a lot bigger than we are. And thank goodness.
first curious, uh, what three books are you currently reading or have recently read? I am currently reading, I'm reading Boat, uh, Lisa Robertson's Boat. Oh yeah, nice. I'm always currently reading Inger Christensen's Alphabet, translated by Susanna Neid. And I'm also reading um, The Rings of Saturn. Oh, um, Sabled? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Wow. <laughs> I love that book. I'm about to teach um, my uh, a pedestrian canon class or just a unit in my class coming up. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of reread. All right. What is your favorite sandwich to make for yourself? Probably a tempeh bacon BLT. Nice. With I like rye bread. Rye bread. Any 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 dressings or you know lettuces, greens, what have you? Just veggies. I do like sprouts. I guess that's not always on a BLT. I like sprouts. It's just like a it's like a footnote yeah. to the to the L. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. As beverages would go, you prefer a type of wine, a beer, type of liquor, something else. I do love chartreuse. It's a good one. Um, but I like wine. I like. I tend to be white in the warmer months and red in the the cooler months. Yeah, same. Any any particular red or white? I don't know. I've been liking trying the natural wines at Canary Club up the yeah. street. I can't think of what they're called. There's a Noah something one that's quite good. Yeah, yeah. Is it a white wine or a red one? <laughs> no, it's a red blend. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I we got into those like last year, and then when that place opened, it's like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure we got into them mostly because of the distribution that came into town because of them and and i guess uh what's the rest of the pizza shop lupo lupo yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah they're also collaborating but i love a woman woman owned place yeah, yeah. definitely uh -huh. yeah that's that's one of one of my favorite things about the canary club uh what's your favorite animal domestic or in the wild that's not in goners um my cats <laughs> <laughs> yes and what, what are their what are their names Tang and uh, Gertrude, Tang but and we Gertrude. call Gertie, or we call Gertie Gigi mostly, but her nice. full name is Gertrude. And Tang is an acronym, like T-A-N-G, like yeah. that ain't no game. Not like the oh, orange beverage. Yeah, not the not Even the though he is a big soda. orange cat. Yeah. yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. um, nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. well, you get one album to listen to for the rest of your life. What are you going to listen to? That's a great question, Ken. <laughs> Yeah. Can it just be a song to listen to over and over? It has to be an album. You can do. You could be the first person that says <laughs> one song. I could listen to um, uh, Lou Reed's "Perfect Day" over and oh. over and over Love and it. over. Yeah. And over. Just a perfect day. Drink sangria in the park And then later When it gets dark we go home Just a perfect day Feed animals in the zoo Then later A movie too And then home Oh, it's such a perfect day I'm glad I spent it with you Oh, such a perfect day You just 
friends all left alone Weekenders on our own It's such fun Just a perfect day You made me forget myself I thought I was someone else Someone good Oh, it's such a perfect day Just what you saw. 